Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Good morning. We uh, will continue our back-to-school theme series um, with the talking of being in God's Word. Um, it occurred to me this week, as it does many times when I get to preach, um, that I'm not worthy to, one, to be the one up here. It happens every time I come to preach. Uh, I get excited to preach. I see the calendar coming in the date, and then I start to prepare and go, man, I'm not the guy you want up here. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a humbling thing to do each and every time, and I probably say that every time I preach, but that's fine. Uh, there are Bible college professors in this room. There are people who are older than me and have seen more than me and could say more than me, and they are all sitting out there listening to me. And so it's a little bit odd every time I get to get up here. But thank you for being here today. Thank you for being open to God's Word. Uh, one thing that happens to me every single time I open the Bible um, I hope it happens every time I open the Bible, is that I discover something, whether it be about myself or about God. And the Bible hasn't changed for thousands of years. And so hopefully today is one of those days that as we open up the Bible, you have maybe an aha moment, or how did I miss that, or uh, it prods you to further study. Um, Because the truths aren't new, uh, the book isn't new, but it renews us often. So even as we go through some uh, verses today that are not obscure or, or wildly out there, I, I pray and I have prayed that you all would be motivated uh, by the words you hear today. So the next two weeks we will talk about community. Uh, this week I'm talking about the, the goods of community, and next week maybe a little bit more conflict, which seems to always happen when we get in community. Um, but overall today we'll talk about mostly the church and the community that it is. Um, If you wanted to do a word study for fun, yep, I said that, a word study for fun, uh, you would look at the word, uh, the Greek word behind community is koinonia or koine, uh, where we get that that word from, the idea of having deep fellowship with one another. This isn't like, oh, we both like fishing, we have deep fellowship together. No, this is more the idea of, of we have things in common, we have a common good, we have a joint effort, and you know me, and I know you. That's community. Uh, That's something we all are searching for all the time. It's something that is life-giving. It's something that we come to church for and hopefully get out of it. Uh, That kind of the thing, um, community. Uh, It also serves to help serve the Great Commission. Um, So today our text will be Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. You have smart devices. You have Bibles. I think for sure there's one in every row. Uh, under the seats or under the seats in front of you. And we're going to go to Acts 2, 42 through 47. I believe that uh, Sunday mornings and anytime you're here, it's, it's participatory, not observatory. So I'm going to make you participate. And then I'm going to take it one step further. Is there a person in the room who wants to come up to this very microphone? Acts 2, 42 through 47. Anybody, young or old? I don't want you to have to hear my voice that much. Acts 2, 42 through 47. The only hand I've seen raised so far was somebody else raising somebody else's hand. (laughs) Denny's coming up. Forty-two through forty-seven. You can go to that one. 
I don't have one up here for you. You can have the stage if you want. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you. So just some framework behind today's text. It's not a text of you have to do this. It's kind of a storytelling, a narrative of how the, uh, the first church did it. Um, and their results are hard to argue with. So you can, yes, venture from this. There's probably other ways to do this. Um, but their results are definitely good. And that's how the, that section ends with the Lord ended to, added to their number daily. So until our church adds to their number daily, I'm going to call this best practices. Uh, for now, until we find us something new or different um, that, is, that is better. But I think this is best practices. So our verses start with by saying they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. Sometimes, from a teaching perspective, I'll read the Bible, and I will wish that things were in different orders, because they would teach better. And that happens every so often, but today is the exact opposite. It's exactly how I want it to be, so everybody's happy, right? It starts out with the idea of devotion, and they devote themselves to the teaching. The idea, that, and that, uh, the idea of devotion is, is the idea of steadfast continuing or focused perseverance. When I think about back to school, I actually think about the idea of devotion. We go from kind of summer, I don't know what summer's like at your house, but in my house it's a little bit chill. It's kind of nice. My teenagers have learned how to sleep in, and I wake them up, and it's hilarious. I wish I had video of that right now, but I don't. Uh, but it's a little more relaxed. And as we get back into school, there's this idea of devotion, and we have to, we have to get up. The bus comes at our house 7.15. Ready or not, our bus is coming. And if you're not out there, not only will you hear from me, you miss the bus. And then you get to hear from me all the way to school. Uh, and so there's the idea of devotion. So as we go back to school, sports are ramping up. Sports even start before school starts. And whether you're playing sports, coaching sports, watching sports, picking your fantasy team, America puts a fair amount of devotion towards sports. Uh, I personally can only be devoted to a few things because as I devote myself to a few things, I notice that everything else kind of falls away. So what are you devoted to first? Is it the apostles' teaching? Is it the fellowship of believers? Is it the breaking of bread? Is it the praying? Uh, are you devoted to this life of believers with intentional spiritual revitalization? If I continue to pick on sports, uh, I personally have nothing against sports, clubs, or other hobbies, um, but as long as they're in their proper place. Far too often as a youth pastor, sports in the driver's seat in homes right now. I see parents paying an activity fee, and because it costs the parents some money, it doesn't matter if you want to go or not today, you're going. I'm taking you there as the kid. But before we say yes to sports or any other clubs or hobbies, 
Are we really being devoted to the things we really want to be devoted to? I see it happen far too often in America uh, that even though families are overscheduled to things, uh, most of them won't matter in five years. Sure, they can learn some good things from sports, teamwork, uh, working together, collaboratives, networking, um, but will the sport itself matter in five years? Is there a better way to get those skills, those tasks? My kids come home almost daily right now with a flyer in their folder for some club, some activity, something they could, they could be in, and every single time, my kids want to be in everything. I don't know if your kids are that way at home, but mine are, and I have to break their heart on the daily because we are not going to be part of most things. Are we allowing ourselves the time and the energy and the effort it takes to take care of our own soul? Devotion uh, to the Lord and cultivation of the relationship, your hobby, your sport, your club, will just make you busier and still leave you unfulfilled. But if you are practicing devotion to the apostles' teaching and fellowship with other believers, then I say go. Be a part of a sport, club, activity, whatever it might be. I also say as a little side nugget, I've seen a lot of students and a lot of families miss church for sports over the years. Now, I'm not picking on you if you're one of them, uh, but I will say that if you're missing a Sunday morning or any opportunity to be with this fellowship of believers, please make the most of it for the kingdom. May you look at your teammates as people who need to know Jesus, and the best way you can share the gospel with them is by playing with them. As a parent, if you're missing church to take your kids, Know that your mission is not only to be evangelistic, but to be leading your family in devotion. This devotion should keep you in check. It should keep you as a self-controlled fan. It should remind you that God's kingdom is so much bigger than this little league baseball game, or a bad call that a ref just made, or an umpire that you disagree with. You wouldn't be a wild fan that way. You'd be for the kingdom of Jesus, a wild fan. Don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying as a Christian you can just skip church and go to sports. But what I'm saying is if you're going to miss out on this community of believers, then you better have intention and, person, intention and purposefulness behind what you are doing. Secondly, the disciples had compassion and gave to the I want you all to take an imaginary trip with me of what it would look like if this week we all went home and we sold everything. I mean everything. We just went for it. Let's have five of you keep your houses, the biggest ones to host the rest of us. Okay, you tracking with me? And then we come back next Sunday and we have all of our money. And this is your new address. All right, for the kids, they just got excited, right? The adults say, no way. All right, I get it. I, I know. All right, but just track with me for a little bit. And then on Monday, okay, so eight days from now, we would just go out in this community with all that money, which I think would be a fair amount of money. And we just started to help people that really needed help. I don't think it would take very long for us to no longer regret selling everything. Now, I'm not proposing that. That's just our little imaginary trip, all right? I don't think we have to do that here in America. Um, if you want to, I think it would still be amazing. But this is the part of the message for me that's just amazing. They sold everything. And they had everything in common. And they just got together and they prayed and they helped, and they did what they could. Yeah, I want to be part of that church. That sounds pretty amazing. I had some younger people uh, show me, as a younger man, uh, what, what compassion looked like. When I was 20 years old, I had a class with Mark Como. 
the dean of students at Crossroads College. Now, I don't remember exactly what class it was. It might have been psychology of coaching or Christian athleticism or one of those, like, you know, you need the class, but you don't need it. And there was only two or three of us in the class. And the only time we had open was at 11 a.m. on, like, Tuesday. So Mark took us out to lunch every time. That's what that meant. Mark, if you're out there, I'm not dishonoring you. Okay, you can listen. All right. One particular day as we piled into Mark, Mark's Suburban, he looked at us and said, uh, we got to stop somewhere first. And his, his overall appearance was a little more somber and a little different. And so we started to inquire, and he went on to say that there was a particular student going to Crossroads who had a drug problem, and Mark was going to help him. Now, part of this problem was that the student was living off campus, and Mark knew that the only way that he could help would be to get him out of the current living situation and onto campus. So Mark walked into the housing complex and told the lady, he said, what he said was just bold and astonishing, he told the lady, I need you to let this person out of his six-month lease. Well, if you know anything about housing, you don't just let somebody out of a lease. There's like penalty. And so this situation had my undivided attention. I need to get this, and Mark said who he was, and he said, I need to get this person, this student on campus, so I need you to let him out of this lease. He said it again. The woman replied with absolutely. I couldn't believe it. She was on board. The fact that he was so bold, and he gave a reason why, and the lady knew he was struggling with an addiction. She was fully on board. The next week, the student moved down to campus, uh, and as far as I know, the student's been free from that addiction ever since. He's, in fact, now a worship leader at a church. And so, Mark, I know you're out there, and I just want to say thanks to Mark for showing me what compassion looks like, for being so bold that he said, paused to a class and went to some housing complex and just asked, I need you to let this guy out of a lease. We have to discover those needs. What in, this, what in this world is not right? What in this world breaks your heart? You know those moments in life where you look at something and you go, isn't somebody going to do something? I promise you that you are the someone. Mark knew that he was the one that could do something. And in fact, Mark couldn't have not done something. He knew he was the one to do something. It also doesn't matter your age to be compassionate towards another human. A fellow youth pastor once shared with me that there was three junior high kids that got together before one school year, pooled their money together to buy four other kids' backpacks for school. And they, didn't need, they were super proud of themselves because they didn't use any money that any adult gave them. So the following year, they wanted to do it again. And they raised some more funds. They got 20 backpacks. The third year, they got after it. 100 backpacks. The fourth year, now they're seniors in high school. The fourth year, they rented out a gym. They got over a thousand backpacks donated. All the school supplies, a kids, and a haircut, all in one place, all in one day, run by a bunch of boys that were once junior hires, now seniors in high school, with no help from any adults. These are not made up stories, these are things that happened in my lifetime, that are shared with me. Age knows no bounds to compassion. Just some kids helping kids. I've worked in a church long enough to know that there's a gap between people that will help and people that need the help. Marion Church is about to turn a corner with a thing called Care Portal. You'll hear more about it in the, fu in the future, but it's exactly that. It is the gap 
bridger between people that can help and people that need help. It's a network of people who need needs. But that's all I'm going to say about that. A bit of a cliffhanger for you all. <clears throat> Lastly, we learn in this section that they met, that the early disciples met with some frequency. They met in the temple courts at each other's houses. They broke bread. They praised God and enjoyed each other's favor. Although we probably don't meet daily, each time we do meet, it matters. For example, who enjoyed coffee, juice, and applesauce this morning? Anybody? Yeah, some kids are the first one to raise their hand. Yeah. I was in on the very first meetings when our elders first started talking about that. Now, you wouldn't think that refreshments would seem like something that the elders of the church would handle. <clears throat> but the elders of this church think that meeting together and breaking bread together is a high enough priority to rearrange our Sunday morning. Our elders moved worship practice up. They moved Sunday school up to make a half-hour window where you're just stuck here with one another. And it works out pretty good. Now, I like the days, too, where we have donuts, but those days are coming. <clears throat> we have a half-hour we can just sit down, grab a cup of coffee, a glass of juice, and just see how each other are doing. Yes, we are busy people. <clears throat> and maybe it would happen on its own, but the elders decided that it would be through <clears throat> much prayer and intentionality a very fruitful thing to do. And I'm grateful for it. Uh, whether you knew or not how that transpired, that's how it went down. I'll tell you another way in which our church makes this priority, this idea of, of meeting frequency with, frequently with intentionality. <clears throat> a few years ago, I was sitting in an elders' meeting, and at the very beginning of the elders' meeting, the elders said, Ike, we need to talk to you about your expense report. Oh, boy. Now, to give you a little backstory, Ike and expense reports don't get along that well. Believe it or not, I may become a youth pastor so that I could do expense reports. Uh, there's been a time or two where my report has been inaccurate, possibly missing a receipt. If I had a receipt, maybe it was wet or dry. Maybe it had spent its life in the bottom of a canoe. Um, so me and expense reports aren't, aren't best friends. So the word expense report to my brain had become taboo. Uh, so the elder said to me, Ike, we need to talk about your expense report. I said, oh, no. And it was different than what I imagined. They said, Ike, when you go out to eat with people, parents or students, we want you to pay for their meal. And then they all kind of laughed at my expense because they knew. All right. But it was, it was a thing where they stopped enough, they had looked at my expense reports that were may or may not be incomplete, and could tell by just how much I was spending that I was only paying for me, all right? And I didn't, I didn't want to overextend our church, and so for them to stop a meeting and say to me, Ike, we want you to pay, all right? We want to, we want to be intentional. Our church has the generosity. We have the funds. We want you to pay for anybody to go out with, all right? And even to this day, I tell students particularly, I'll buy, you, I'll buy you a meal. Like, dare me to buy you a meal. I'll buy you a meal. And most, most students are like, really? I'm like, yeah, I get paid to take you out to eat. Really? Yeah, let's do it. You know, that's kind of how that story can go sometimes. But not only is our church generous enough, our church is intentional enough to take care, to make that opportunity one we can bless others. I've taken out lots of people to eat. 
some of them which we will never see again, some of which are in this room with me right now and everywhere in between. But I am grateful to work for this church. I am grateful that, that the breaking of bread has been made a priority. <clears throat> there is something almost divine in breaking bread together. I don't quite understand it. Uh, when I was a junior higher, I heard a like five-week sermon series by my favorite Kevin Kassler on banquetology and the idea of breaking bread together and the idea of how there's something special about when we sit down and we eat together and we look into each other's eyes and we talk and there's no other agenda but the person across from you. I don't know what that does for the soul, but it's great. It's fantastic. And I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of interaction with different people in public places, but if I sit down and have a meal with you, not only I'll remember you, I'll, I'll remember what we talked about. I don't understand exactly what's happening in my brain or my soul, but there is something special, and they got it in the, in the early church. They got it that sitting down and breaking bread together is something special. It's just assumed that if you say, where'd you go on a date, you know, the date with someone, that you went out to eat somewhere, that you broke bread, you looked at each other's eyes, and you got to know each other on a soul level. There's something special about breaking bread together. And so I want to encourage you all to do that. Uh, we do it here at Marion. We try to make it a priority. I think someday even our fellowship meal will come back. But have someone from the church over. Over to your house. Uh, have a meal regularly with someone. It's one thing to meet in a restaurant. It's a whole other deal to come to somebody's house, right? I know as I was a kid, I remember like getting ready for somebody to come over and we're going to have food and it smelled good, but we couldn't touch it yet as kids. But I was a teenage boy and I was hungry and mom's making me vacuum. And the second those people pulled in the driveway, hey, thanks, Henry. It's a good-looking kid there, huh? <clears throat> but the second people pulled in, I could stop cleaning and just focus on people and how great that was. And I remember that as a kid. I remember my parents making that a priority of having people over. We would have people over on Friday nights to go to movies. We'd have pizza first. Before I could play football, we'd have people over on Friday nights and have pizza first. Did I say that? We like pizza, apparently. Casey's Pizzas and Brodus, so good. Anyways, that's a different side thing. But we'd have people over. I remember every event we shared as a family, we usually shared with other people. And it was fantastic. I remember as a very little boy thinking... Okay, this is more than you bargained for, but here's the story. My brother Eric would get sick every Christmas. I think I've shared that before. All right, and he would puke every Christmas morning. I don't know why, but he did. <laughs> he, said, he said he was so excited. And I just assumed that we didn't do Christmas with other people because Eric was sick. <laughs> and so I thought he was ruining Christmas each year. Anyways, <clears throat> my mom and dad did a great job of me as a kid of instilling this idea of a fellowship of believers. And it was great. And oftentimes, there was a fellowship of believers, and we'd bring others into the fold, people who were not believers. And I remember my dad praying before meals, and we didn't really care if the other people were uncomfortable. I didn't even think about it as a kid. But at least they got some exposure to the gospel, and they got to hear and see and feel what this might look like. <clears throat> so invite others over to your house. I know this has been a little bit hard because of COVID and some other things, restrictions of life and things go on. But it is great to break, it, break bread with one another. And it says they do it with glad and sincere hearts. Do it often. It's more than just a meal. It's a deep fellowship. In closing, uh, when it comes to devotion, we are, what are we devoted to? What is it that we really want? The, it was said to me that the hardest part about being a living sacrifice 
is that we keep wandering off the altar. Secondly, compassion. You don't have to sell everything to do something, but do something. Whatever rips your guts, whatever hurts you, whatever you see in the world that you can't stand, do something about it. And lastly, meet with one another. Have a meal. It's special. It's also said to me that special or intimacy comes with frequency. And the more often we meet together, the more often and the more we know about each other. Lastly, I'll leave you with Hebrews chapter 10. If you want to go there, I've got to find it too. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10.22. I'll read Hebrews 10.22 and I'll read through 25. Let us draw near to God with sincere hearts, with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unfast. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more, as you see the day approaching. Don't give up on meeting. Stay together. I know it doesn't matter in my brain, at least, if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Community has its place. Church life amongst a bunch of believers, uh, it has its place. And when it's done right, none of us regret it. I know for me, uh, in college, there were times where I was like, church was kind of optional, and sometimes I would skip it, and sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I would sleep in. But whenever I went, I was like, why don't I do that every week? All right? And this isn't Ike's campaign, campaign to show up for church. This is Ike's campaign to join in a community of believers. Because I think it's life-giving. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I do pray for all of us, our, our wandering hearts. As sometimes we, we venture outside the community. I thank you for this community. I thank you for Big C Church. I thank you for your worldwide church. And how it helps to know that there's others out there battling, there's others out there chasing truth, and we have a commonality, a deep fellowship. Thank you for giving us your son and the example. Thank you for giving us the word of your early church. Help us to proceed faithfully and with focused perseverance. It's your name I pray. Amen.